Hi everyone and welcome to an exclusive podcast brought to you by VG Oncology. Today, we will be covering the highlights from ESMO WCGIC 2021, which showcase the latest data in the field of gastrointestinal cancer. In this podcast, we will be hearing from global experts discussing results from the Valentino, Kino 811 and Beacon CLC trials. First up, we have Paolo Manca from the Instituto Nazionale del Tumore Milano in Milan, Italy, who will talk about the Valentino trial, which assessed panitunumab-based maintenance in patients with Braswell-type metastatic colorectal cancer. Basically, in, in our study, we enrolled patients from the Valentino trial, which was a phase two randomized trial comparing uh, uh, Folfox planitunumab uh, induction chemotherapy followed by panitunumab alone versus the same uh, induction chemotherapy followed by Folfo- um, panitunumab plus 5FU. We enrolled patients with available baseline liquid biopsy. We perform NGS sequencing comprising 14 genes of, um, of the circulating tumor DNA from these patients. And we use the variant allelic fraction to measure the burden of disease. Uh, we compared the uh, variant allelic fraction with CEA and some of RACES, the five target lesions. And we uh, uh, understood that VAF is a prognostic, is a very good prognostic marker, and more importantly, is more effective than CEA and some of RACES-defined target lesions in the prognosis stratification of the patients. Uh, so we don't know how VAF uh, can uh, uh, behave in the longitudinal uh, assess- assessment of the response to first-line chemotherapy in these patients, but we believe that it should be investigated as a, a marker of disease response to chemotherapy in future studies. Uh, apparently, it might be more potent than CEA and uh, lesion dimension. I would like to mention that uh, our cohort of patients was composed of patients with Raswell type metastatic colorectal cancer, but 10% percent of the patients was found with a RAS mutation in the circulating tumor DNA. Uh, in this sense, liquid biopsy can uh, allow to find patients which are not, which apparently are RAS well type, but they, they are actually not. And this may be useful for the EG, anti-EGFR therapy selection. Next up, with Yelena Janjigian from the Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York, who provides an overview of the Keno 811 trial, which investigated the efficacy of the anti-HER2 antibody trastuzumab and chemotherapy in patients with metastatic gastric or gastroesophageal junction cancer. Keno 811 is a phase three randomized study in metastatic HER2 positive G-junction and gastric adenocarcinoma patients who have not previously received any sort of any treatment as to a previously untreated first-line setting. Uh, this is a large phase three study and at World ESMO GI we will be presenting the first interim analysis looking at overall response rate. This was a pre-specified interim analysis uh, and based on this analysis and based on the results that we're presenting, uh, uh, the FDA already approved combination of pembrolizumab plus trastuzumab and chemotherapy in her two positive G-junction gastric adenocarcinoma. This was based on preclinical and clinical rationale, suggesting that there is 
synergy between combination of anti-HER2 and anti-PD-1 therapy. And for the first time, what we've been able to demonstrate is the overall response rate is significantly improved. We demonstrated the 74% overall response rate, which is compared favorably uh, to 51% overall response rate seen in metastatic HER2 positive disease with uh, chemotherapy and trastuzumab and placebo. So this is a really an important breakthrough for our patients. We're waiting for the overall survival and progression-free survival data to mature. This is a pre-specified interim analysis, and we're excited to share it with, the, with, with our colleagues. Finally, we have Dana Durka from the Sheba Medical Center in Tel Aviv, Israel, who will discuss the results of the Beacon CRC trial, which assessed the effects of first-line bevacizumab in metastatic colorectal cancer. I am presenting uh, this uh, ESMO meeting, uh, the effect of prior bevacizumab treatment in BRAF V600E mutant metastatic colorectal cancer. And what is the general idea? In the Beacon study, we uh, observed that the doublet and the triplet of the combinations uh, have equal, are equally effective. Uh, they gave us 9.3 months survival. Now, what was our concern? Uh, we know, for example, that bevacizumab that is administered in the first line can interfere with the effects of cetuximab or uh, EGFR inhibitor that is given in the second line. Because in this study, uh, in the first line or second line, patients were given either chemotherapy alone or chemotherapy plus bevacizumab. Then, because of the long half-life of the bevacizumab that can be more than six months, then it could be an overlap between the bevacizumab administered in a previous line and the cetuximab that was given in the doublet, triplet, or the control arms of the study. If this is the case, then without bevacizumab, we would expect a better uh, overall survival of the patients because bevacizumab would not interfere with the cetuximab that is administered in the beacon combinations. And uh, indeed, we uh, examined the patients. Uh, two thirds of the patients got bevacizumab in the first line, one third did not. And this was well uh, uh, balanced between the groups, between the examined groups. Uh, what was the result? First of all, in the doublet, the median overall survival with previous bevacizumab was eight months, while without bevacizumab, it was 10 months. So two months better, but it was not statistically significant. So it seems that previous bevacizumab, although may have a very mild influence on the treatment, the survival remains statistically the same. On the triplet, it was a surprise. With previous bevacizumab, the median survival was eight months, and without the uh, bevacizumab previously, it was 12.62 months, which is 4.5 months more if 
Bevacizuma was not administered previously. At the same time, uh, looking at the control group, we saw a similar uh, observation. The control group uh, with Bevacizumab previously had a shorter survival than without it. Now, what are we doing with this data? Taking all the patients with previous Bevacizumab, it was obvious that the triplet and the doublet are better than the control group, but there was no statistical difference between the, the triplet and the doublet with previous Bevacizumab. Taking the groups without Bevacizumab, it was clear, or visually we could see that indeed the doublet is better than the control, and the triplet is definitely much better than the control by about 5.3 months. So it was very impressive. Uh, we could also see that all the, the survivals were longer without bevacizumab in all these groups compared to the same groups given bevacizumab before. Because of the low number of the patients that got, did not get bevacizumab previously, uh, we finally could not find a, in the no previous bevacizumab, we could not find a statistical difference between the triplet and the doublet. Although the triplet gave 12.62 months and the doublet 10 months, so an, another two month difference. I believe that in a study that will be devoted for such an examination, we can see that the triplet is probably better than the doublet in the absence of previous bevacizumab. So what is our take home message? First of all, we thought that the triplet and the doublet are equal in their effectiveness. Possibly, in the absence of bevacizumab, the triplet outplays the doublet. We also should consider, therefore, that if we examine in the first line treatments with uh, biologicals, uh, then the triplet should be part of the uh, groups that we, uh, it, it must be treated. Uh, uh, the, a group must be treated with the triplet because otherwise people will give only the doublet considering that it is equal to the triplet. But according to our data, we must examine the first line, the triplet. The other possibility is that if we use the triplet, but this must be shown in the future, of course, if we administer the triplet in the first line and bevacizumab in the second line, possibly we can obtain the best continuum of care for these patients. So uh, I think that uh, this, are new, this is new information uh, and uh, it may bring new ideas regarding the continuum of care. We must look again at bevacizumab because we know that in, it causes some influence on the second line treatment, it may change, it may cause possibly changes in the tumor microenvironment, in the tumor biology, 
and this may cause all these uh, changes. We must learn more about these effects. For the moment, I think that the data is intriguing. It must be re-examined. It must be reconfirmed. We must understand that the study, uh, what we have done, was an unplanned retrospective analysis uh, on a small number of patients. Still, the, the data that was obtained is a strong signal that if the study will be planned accordingly, we can find out that indeed bevacizumab has interference with biologicals that will be given in the next line after bevacizumab. Uh, it is very important and it, I think it will have a, a lot of clinical significance. Thank you to our speakers and to you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review and subscribe on your favourite podcast app, including Apple, Podbean and Spotify, so we can continue to deliver our expert-led content directly to you. Follow us on Twitter at VJ Oncology to join in the conversation and visit VJ Oncology for the latest updates in the field.